Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to the Millennial Money Channel on uh, the, this wonderful Tuesday evening. So today we got a lot to talk about. Uh, somebody sold in this group quite a lot and uh, raised a lot of money. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Tesla stock both going up a ton and also going down. What happened with Zillow today, too, with them firing a lot of employees, laying, basically closing down an entire department that uh, they were very adamant about over the last two years? We're going to talk about crypto, Floki Inu, Shiba Inu, Dogecoin, and Jerome Powell. So uh, it's going to be a juicy episode today as long as you destroy the like button and make sure to subscribe. How was that? Was that good? Was that a good intro? Let me know down below in the comments section if that was a good intro. (laughs) Approved. But Clips Channel. (laughs) We we have the Millennial Money Clips Channel. In the description. Make sure to subscribe to that as well. And guess in the comments down below who sold. Who paper handed. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime... Why don't we start? What, what do we want to start with? We want to start with Zillow. Get the get the drama out of the way first. I mean, that's, yeah. that seems pretty juicy. Yeah, let's start with Zillow. Hey, is it because is it because of the TikToker? He forced Zillow no. out of business. <laughs> that would be crazy, huh? Is that what happened? What happened he here, guys? Exposed, yeah, the TikTok guy exposed Zillow so much that their business started suffering, and they had to close down the entire department. <laughs> wow, the power of TikTok. <laughs> what really happened here, Kevin? Break it down for us. This is this is me. Why. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, flipping homes is a thankless business. It's very, very difficult because you're competing against a lot of people who do unlicensed, shoddy work uh, and unpermitted work. Zillow has to compete with those people. People who are willing to make $10,000 on a deal, which that might sound like a lot. Oh my God, I'd love $10,000. It's not that easy when you have a $10,000 margin and one thing going wrong could mean the difference between a $10,000 profit and a $10,000 loss. So flipping is, is very low margin. And in order for Zillow to get business, they have to compete with all the knuckleheads who flip. This is why I don't flip. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's very, very competitive. And you're better off buying and holding because you have more margin that way. But anyway, uh, so Zillow at all costs wants to gain market share and essentially overpays for real estate to beat out Redfin, uh, Open Door, and other flippers uh, to try to be the one to, to get these properties, to flip them. Uh, but unfortunately, hires 2,000, in my opinion, knuckleheads that are not experienced or properly educated in real estate valuation. Uh, I actually made a video this morning before Zillow earnings and Zillow's big announcement. I made a video. I go, I wouldn't be surprised if these people were paid on some sort of salary plus a bonus for every deal that you close, you get a bonus to where the Zillow employees were probably misincentivized to basically close deals and not necessarily close good deals. So in other words, Zillow overpaid for a bunch of properties, uh, at least 7,000, probably many more than 7,000. And now they are 
uh, bulk selling those 7,000 homes, probably to institutional uh, investors like BlackRock, uh, mm -hmm. Invitation Homes, REITs, corporations, LLCs, whatever. Uh, probably for pennies on the dollar, I would speculate 70 to 80 cents on the dollar, uh, taking massive losses on this. And in my video this morning, I, uh, I, I thought to myself, I go, they, the management has screwed up so badly at Zillow that they're probably going to have to fire thousands of workers. And then I corrected because they had hired 2,000 for this. I'm like, well, they hired 2,000. At least 1,000 probably is what they'd have to fire. They come out with earnings three hours later firing everyone in the department. And I'm like, yep. Well, that's what happens they, when you don't know they, how to run a flipping business. You shut it they down. They have so to, though, because, Kevin, think of how much work you put into one flip. Oh, and yeah. uh, in fact, even, even for myself, I've never flipped. I've always bought and just held. But I know how tight those margins are. And it takes yep. years of experience to even get to a point where you feel comfortable to even make a 15, 20, 25% return. That's really, really, really good. And so imagine hiring on people who have not flipped and they're in charge of the flipping business. And no. you expect them to run the numbers on these deals. And I'm sure none of them care. They're just like, well, we, you know, we, we have a quota to meet. We should be buying X amount of homes. They want X amount on their books. Uh, we'll just offer this. And they tempted me so much. Um, I was very, very, very close to, uh, to just see what Zillow would offer me on just a few of the properties. And if it was good to sell it. Because I saw so many stories of them paying like 15% over market value just to buy these homes. And I was like, well, crap. If they're offering that good of a deal, why shouldn't I take this and just cash in on this? Because it's not worth it. But then they announced that they stopped doing it. So it was too late. But very tempting. That's wow. bad when, when you have a reputation for overpaying. <laughs> it is. You know what it is? It's the Reddit uh, real estate subreddit. People were chiming in and were like, I got an, you know, I, I listed my house on the market. We didn't get any offers. I took it off. And then I went through Zillow and they offered me 20% over asking or 20% over the price I was asking. <laughs> Sign on sale. It, it was like, what? And so, and then other people are commenting, but like, yeah, uh, they just offered 10% over what mine is worth. Wait, you know, wait, wait, wait. I, yeah. You saw this on, on, Reddit. on Reddit that that people would take their homes off the market and then like immediately or like a year later? Oh, I don't know the time frames. I don't know the okay. time frames, but but there were so many stories, dozens of them. When you go back on Reddit through maybe the last like month, two months, uh, of stories of people saying that they've met with agents uh, who who quoted them, let's say this value that your home is worth two hundred grand, but then they turn around and Zillow offers them two twenty. It's just like it doesn't make any sense. Wow. And there's so many anecdotal stories. Now, who knows if people are exaggerating or they're making yeah. it up. But there's so much of it on Reddit that it just it makes me feel like there's there's probably quite a lot of element of truth to that. Maybe it's not as big as they say it is, but I would tend to believe dozens of people who say that Zillow is just paying whatever. And I thought it was just the cost of customer acquisition. It makes sense. Like a lot of these fintech companies too will will pay a premium because it's it just it, it's the ROI is there long term. So if they lose money right now, it doesn't matter. So I was kind of expecting, well, Zillow's going to overpay a little bit, but they're going to corner the market. They're going to they're going to ruin all the other companies. They have money to burn, and uh, they're going to run everybody else out of business, and then they'll dominate the market. 
and then they can affect the housing prices, like the TikTok guy said. Well, that's what creates the conspiracies, though. That's what people are like, oh, wow, TikTok's overpaying and then selling for under? They know something we don't. <laughs> it's like, no, they're just idiots. They're just idiots. Yeah. That's, that's a good bottom line. Yeah, because the best test of a property's market value is the property being on the market. So if that's true, that people were listed on the market, canceled their listing, that right there is evidence. The property was not worth that amount. It wasn't probably even worth close to that amount. Otherwise, it would have had offers and negotiated something. Uh, so that that's a big red flag. If, if you could link, here's a property that canceled uh, on the MLS for, let's say, 500 and then 45 days later, like an escrow cycle later, closed to Zillow uh, after it canceled off the MLS for more, then that's just straight up idiotic. Yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking at Zillow's stock price here. So it's down to, to 76 after hours. But remember, that stock, you know, was $30. Um, just a couple of years ago, and during the Rony Rona crash, it was down to 18. So even after this fall, you know, after hours to 76, I, you know, who knows what will happen there. But this one could have a lot more to fall, especially with the distrust from the manage, you know, that will be in the management team. Because think about yourself as an investor, and you're looking at Zillow, and you're like, they hyped this business out for several years, and now all of a sudden they're leaving it, cutting 25% of the workers, you know, I think it's going to create a lot of distrust in the management team. Are, are any of you three interested in Zillow stock at all? Or is that one you no. like, I wouldn't even touch what, that. What percent of revenue is this is this business of flipping homes? Wasn't Ta it a pretty dude, significant of part? revenue? This yeah. is the manipulating part. It's like 99%. Because right. what they do, it's, it's so lame. It's like this company... Um, uh, backed. You guys saw that company. It, 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 it like recently skyrocketed back. B a k k t. Yeah, yeah. B k k t. They, yeah. Yeah. They they take their revenue. Their total their, their total revenue is the sum of all of the real estate they bought, plus their like advertising revenue and earned revenue, and then as part of their costs of goods sold, they they put the cost of the the properties. So let's say you buy a property. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm running a business. I make $100,000 a year and I've got $20,000 of expenses. Now I add to my business buying a house. And now I say, and I buy a $900,000 house and I sell it for $900,000. Well, now instead of saying my revenue is $100,000, it's $1 million, baby. Like that's what Zillow's doing. So hmm. it's going to be a disaster in, in my opinion, two quarters from now or three quarters from now. When Zillow can't recognize revenue anymore from these home sales because their revenue on all the like charts that you see, Y charts or whatever, their revenue is literally going to plummet like 90 plus percent because it's going to go yeah. back to just that advertising revenue, which is a tiny portion of revenue. It's more profitable. You know, the, the margin on the flipping business was negative. Uh, the advertising business probably, you know, what, 10 percent or whatever. But it's going to be a disaster. That's probably yeah. why their stock value doubled in the last few years is because they were showing that kind of shady accounting. Yep, I absolutely think so. In fact, I lamented that when Redfin did it. Uh, Redfin did that uh, last year. I want to say early last year. And I'm in Redfin. I got in Redfin probably at like a $20 basis. Uh, and I, I lamented that. I made a video. I go, this is ridiculous. How, why are you putting the the house acquisition in, in as revenue. And, and it's like, it should just be when you get your closing statement from the escrow company, the, the net 
the profit basically right like what comes up i i don't know it's how is I, that I don't like the accounting i think it's very confusing for investors uh because is, it's really not legal? in my opinion revenue like your your revenue should be the, the profit from from the actual transaction i i don't know it, it that's that, that's like saying like if i invested in tesla i'm like oh cool i I made this much money because I invest. It doesn't make any sense. So how well, is that legal to do? A lot of it, let me let me stick up for Zillow and then uh, attack Zillow at the same time. So Andre, to be fair here, um, the, the way gap principles are done, sometimes it doesn't make sense. For instance, if you get a gain on, let's say, let's say you buy a bunch of Bitcoin as a, as a company. If that appreciates in value, you have to take a gain on that, even if you didn't sell, which is completely dumb. Right. Like that makes no sense. But that's the way they change some of these accounting rules. So to Zillow's to Zillow's, you know, uh, point here, that's what they have to do. It's not like they can pick and choose and be like, we're not going to count that. We're going to count that. Um, but to to this issue with Zillow stock price, this is this is the issue. Analysts have had them growing revenue 41 and a half percent next year. And now this could be a situation where Zillow has revenues go down and maybe even potentially down substantially. So it went from this is a massive growth story to all of a sudden, I, I don't know what revenue they're going to report next year, but it's probably not going to be $9.15 billion like the average analyst estimate is. No. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. I mean, I, I get it why they do this thing with the houses, why they show like, hey, we bought it for 900. We sold it for 900. It's revenue Ooh. and then it's cost of goods sold. I get that because then you could show the profit margin on that business. But compared to your analogy, uh, what, what you mentioned is, let's say you had a million dollars in Bitcoin and it went to 1.1, you'd recognize $100,000 of gains. That's kind of the analogy you're making, right? Well, this is kind of like you, you bought Bitcoin uh, for a million dollars and you sold it for 1.1, writing in that your revenue was 1.1 million. Mm. And your costs of goods sold were a million. I get it from the accounting point of view because that's how you get a hundred thousand dollar gain. Like I get that, but it's misleading because it it makes the, uh, investors like when I think of revenue, I think of I, I think of that as earned revenue, right? Like something that I actually created and sold, not an asset that I just transferred around. That that to me just seems it's it's something that I think is going to be poorly understood by the markets. Uh, I have trouble explaining it. And uh, I think that uh, when, when we see that 90% decline in revenue, the markets are going to lose their crap. So you, yeah. guys are, so you guys think that the investors generally are not clued in to how that works? You know what? I, I don't think a lot of people are, and they're not going to go into the nuances of it. And I just think for, I remember covering this maybe two or three years ago when Zillow just started to get into the whole iBuyer thing. And back then, in, the investors of Zillow hated it. They thought it was a terrible idea. They said, they said Zillow's in the, in the marketing business. They should stick with marketing. Yeah. They shouldn't get into home ownership. And the CEO said, don't worry about it. We got this master plan. We're going to stick with it. You, you guys are going to see. And he kept doing it. And he kept losing money. He's like, don't worry, guys. It's, it's going to make sense later on. I think the guy, I just think they got it over their head. The guy made a terrible decision. They're not, they're not idiots at Zillow. I think maybe they had a bigger plan. It was more difficult than they had expected. They wanted the you know, corner of the market. Investors were not having it, were not happy with that. And they could only do so much until eventually, like, it just got to stop. So I, th I think, if anything, Zillow is going to improve from here. But it was a big mistake. It's just, it, it's just, it stains Zillow right now as the company that tried yeah. this. And they just didn't do it well.
And, and be, I've always felt like Zillow, the, the way they should have pivoted the business is to become an all-encompassing um, company that, because here's my thing. I don't see the need to have a realtor in 2022. It makes no oh, sense to me. No, no disrespect to you. Oh, no Having earmuffs. Earmuffs. I know. Yeah. You know I'm, I'm hurting feelings out there, but I see no reason. Like I'm an educated <laughs> buyer. Like I don't need. Wait, 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 wait. wait. That, says, that, that says the person whose last three home purchases have all been brand new construction. <laughs> no, two <laughs> of those three. Two of those three, to be fair. How old is the Arizona one? Uh, the Arizona one was new construction. The, this one's new construction. The, the Henderson one, not new construction. Okay, that one's super old. That one was three years old when I bought it, okay? Uh, <laughs> and that one, the realtor did a horrible job negotiating for me. I should have just negotiated myself. They, they were garbage, man. So anyways, there's no need for a real estate agent in, in 2022. All you need is Zillow. That's the route they should have gone rather than this stupid idea of like, let's let's flip houses. I'm like, you had the world in your palms, man. I'm with but, you, Jeremy. I, I, I tend to agree. I know the guys probably disagree, but I think they're biased. I, I do. Here's the thing: as a as a realtor, and I don't I don't do that anymore, so I have no reason to like be biased at all on this. But I've seen what what buyers go through, and I've seen all the nuances that uh, I would say most people don't see. And when you deal with like 30, 40 different buyers every single year, and you're negotiating these deals, and one thing comes up, and you're trying to save the deal because of like a three thousand dollar repair. Because like the kitchen sink sink leaked underneath, and there's like a little bit of mold under the sink, and they're like, oh no, the house is mold now. We can't buy this two million dollar oh, oh. house. Wait, I've wait, seen so much crap. Yeah. Wait, wait. So you're telling me that can't happen with a real estate agent? What just happened to Jack Graham? Explain that. <laughs> yeah. Here's the. I didn't represent him on that house. Well, listen, Andre, who represented him, uh, did what? a good job. But yeah. So for the, so for those who don't know. Uh, Jack uh, bought a house recently, and uh, and you'll see it. Well, we got we got this in the vlog a little yeah, bit. We don't we don't want to reveal it yet, probably. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, he had a he had a sewer line issue, and there was a leak underneath uh, by the, like the sewer line. They had to dig up the whole front of the house. But uh, here's the thing: I don't wait, 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 wait. Jack, yeah. What was this? Where where that that cut in the concrete was? When I saw, maybe I don't know. Well, what happened? No. No, 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 no. It probably wasn't. This this was just like a week and a half ago. Oh, because there was there was a the really the there was this. I, I when I walked through that house and it's in our in, in my video when I posted the first thing I saw walking up to that house was a cut in the sidewalk next to the driveway. And I'm like, what's this? This looks weird. And somebody patched concrete there in a not so good way. And coming out of it in the little planter was this was this box. I open it up and I'm like, that's weird. There's a drain clean out in here. You should ask them what the scoop is here with <laughs> the drain. Wow. <laughs> You'll see that in the video. So can a can a educated non-realtor buyer spot that right away? <laughs> Here's the thing though. Here's what's interesting is that uh, what what happened was that uh, there was a leak in between where the sewer line is and where the main uh, water line is, and that, that's and, exactly and it's on, where it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's on Jack's property, yeah. and uh, so it's not the city's responsibility; it's Jack's responsibility. And and the water meter was just just running, running, running. The water company said that they had sent notices to the address, but the seller had never gotten back to them. 
So it was an issue where then he went to the seller and the seller was like, I don't know anything about it. The, the my, inspector, my question is, yeah. how did the inspector not cash that? Isn't that like one of the like first few steps that they should take to find would, stuff like that? Well, a lot of the inspectors test for active leaks. Now, you would you would think that they would turn off the water or or check the meter. I don't know if inspectors have done that, at least for myself. But uh, I don't know, Kevin. What do you think on that? What's your take? It was sus. It should have been noted in the inspection because I was I was sussed out by it. Yeah. I don't get sussed out by a lot of stuff. But it, I didn't even say. But in addition to seeing what I had already described here. I noticed that the um, the main the, one of the valves going into the house, which was either the sprinkler or the house main. Now I'm assuming it was the house main. Uh, it was it's in that same box with that cleanout, and I was like, it's weird. They put in a new cleanout, but at the same time they were in that hole in that box. They didn't replace the valve going into the house. Uh, it was an old, old, crusty. Uh, a twist turn valve instead of like a newer quarter turn or whatever. I'm like, this was not a professional plumber. Whoever did that job was not a professional plumber because a professional plumber wouldn't leave it like that. So it's a massive red flag to me. And that, so I'm sorry that happened to Jack, but yes. yeah, that, that was a red flag. Yeah. So, so, so he, got it, is... he got it fixed, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, but, but had, uh, you know, but Jeremy, I think, I think this is a good example of why some situations I don't think a realtor is needed. And I think uh, new constructions are a good example. Like uh, with this house here, literally the, the agent's job of this was just to put your name down and get like a 3% referral. That was it. They handled everything else. So Toll Brothers has been fantastic. But I think in a lot of deals, it, I think it makes sense to have an extra set of eyes on things. Um, I feel like you can still have an inspector and not necessarily a realtor. That's, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, but see, then you get here's, into here's yeah. how. I always positioned myself as a realtor is my job isn't to find your house. Uh, and I know that sounds ironic. M my job was to make sure you weren't buying a shitty house. It was to warn you about things that would affect resale in the future to make sure the permits were appropriate because otherwise you'd get screwed to uh, be a second set of eyes so that if, if I'm at the inspection and I see something weird, I can point it out to the home inspector. Home inspectors miss stuff all the time. So I'd go to almost all of my home inspections because of that. Uh, I walk every single property looking for and, and my goal is to just go through there and almost tear it up because I'm looking out for my clients going, I want you in five years to be happy with your purchase. So that way you call me when, when it's time for you to rent it or sell it in the future. Mm, that's cool. Maybe yeah, it should and, be optional then. And I think, I think you know, realtors, real estate agents, whatever you want to call them, I think it's uh, different in different markets. Maybe you guys are the creme de la creme, right? But I could tell you out here in Vegas, it's, it's not like that, right? You guys come from probably the most competitive market out there. And so maybe you guys just have to have a, a level up. But I can tell you, as somebody that's been in that industry, most of these realtors are clueless. Most of them have no clue what they're doing. And most of them are flat out lazy. Maybe you guys are just a top 1%. So I don't know. I'm not a fan of the industry. I would love to see it just be a model where you list and you go. And, and we know even if you have a, you know, somebody representing you and even if you have an inspection, you could still end up in a jack situation. Right. Which is $8,000. That man has to come out yeah. without a pocket. Well, no, no, no. It was like thirty-five. The oh, eight thousand. 
exorbitant price. He got a few quotes, got it down. Oh, good. Okay. Still, he, still he a decent amount of money. But my point being, it's like the chances of that happening become smaller uh, the more you have representation. So I would argue that uh, obviously anything can happen, but it's just it, you lessen your chances. It's such a big fee, man. It's such a big fee. That's the thing. Yeah. It's so much money. You could you could hire three different inspectors at, at that point, right? right? So I don't know. But anyways, in my opinion, Zillow should have pivoted to that business model. But, you know, we digress in that situation. We probably spent enough time on Zillow. Mm -hmm. And that stock is an ugly one that might stay ugly for a while. And I don't think none of us four are interested in buying that stock. That's all we know. Right. No, oh, I mean, uh, I did yeah. just really quick. Uh, I did pull this up. This I thought was interesting. Now, I haven't looked at the recent ones yet, but I did pull this up. Just a quick note on Zillow. So uh, here is uh, their 2018 financial set. And you can see homes right here has nothing listed. No, no in revenue. Right. Uh, this is when they started talking about doing homes. This is Internet media and technology. This is their advertising business. And I just found this interesting. I only looked at 18 and 19 because I know 20 is going to be a cluster F. But look at this. Six months ended June 30th for 2018, $625 million. Remember that number, 625 for six months ended. You go over to 2019, 622. So a lower number in a hot freaking market of 2019. Keep in mind that in the first six months of 2018, interest rates started going up and the housing market started having a big pooper duper in April, May, and June. So the fact that 2019 revenue numbers for their internet media and technology sector is down in 2019, to me signifies that they needed the homes business as a Hail Mary because their advertising business was starting to suffer. Kevin, what wow. do you think your advertising we, business wasn't doing as well? Do you think that's maybe uh, like Redfin taking over other websites? Why suck. do you think? It like I've I hated Zillow my whole career because the way they ran their business, their business model was misleading buyers. You would pay to get your name advertised on listings okay. when uh, when when uh, listings show up, your face shows up on the side, and it would be like inquire about this property and people would put their info in and send it off thinking you're the listing agent and you're just some rando agent who's advertising on somebody else's listing. So yes. the, the whole concept of Zillow's advertising, now they've changed that since then. In fairness to Zillow, they've changed that since then. And, and now they make it clear if they're the listing agent or not. But the whole the whole start of their business, their advertising business, their online business was, was scummy. So I, I always hated them. Uh, I just, uh, it's probably, you know, Yelp, Yelp has difficulties. Advertising as an agent just sucks. Put it that way. There's so many ways to advertise realtor.com, Yelp, Zillow, Google, YouTube, whatever. It's all a disaster. Ultimately the best way to advertise is just doing freaking open houses and meeting people. Cause there's so many realtors, yeah. so many ads. And honestly, Jeremy's not wrong. A lot of realtors, not that good. <laughs> yeah. I've had so many just awkward, uh, uh, situations with Zillow when, when I used to do this. And this is when I was just barely starting. So I didn't know what I was doing. But people would call and they'd want to set up a showing. And I'd show up thinking I'm representing them as the buyer. And they would come with their own agent. And uh, I would show up with the listing agent. And I was like this weird middleman of just like, wait, so you don't need me. Why am I here? And it's so awkward. But you learn very quickly.
it was just a terrible situation. I was like 19 at the time. Dude. I was like, oh, man. Hey. That's, you just want to run. You just move that. All right. See Ke- Kevin, can can you pull up 2021 first six-month numbers if possible, please? Because yeah, I would love to see about what I just that. wrapped. <laughs> okay, perfect. I- I'm really intrigued to see this. Same, um, same. Uh, okay. There we go. It's up. 922. Yeah. There we go. But, so whatever they're doing, see, they were down again in 2020, which that's not a surprise. They are, they, whatever they've changed, they started improving for 2021. So that this needs to show growth. Uh, let me see. They just posted their Q3. So let me look if the well, last three months has had some nice growth yeah, here. The, the main issue with that is that's in a super red hot market where yes. everybody's, you know, searching and using usage is probably at an all time high. And so, we should run numbers on if you take the homes business away, how much revenue should be down next year? Are we talking? This is like that's going to be fifty percent plus revenues down that's next year. Yeah. Huge! Wow. Never mind if the real estate market cools down and the the you know the other business slows down. My gosh! What wow. is that wow. segment called? The homes uh, well, that's nine months. Hold on. Market Divide is. this. No, they're actually it's doing better. Three months ended over here. Look at that rate, 480. They're growing. Whatever they're doing now with the ads, they are doing better. And they now have mortgage revenue. So in fairness, they are doing better on their advertising business. Now, I don't know if they're how much of that uh, comes from the fact that they have so many more listings that are now Zillow homes. I don't know if much, but they are growing this actually much better. So they may have maybe revised and figured it out. But look, that's 15.6% growth. That's not bad. Yeah. But like, like from 2020, though. Yeah, exactly. Red Hut market uh, coming off 2020 comps. And then also, man, like literally revenue is going to be down way over 50 percent next year after analysts were expecting revenue to be up 40 percent plus. I mean, yes. And they're going to go through a few quarters of big losses. So they're going to have some some ugly adjustments. uh, And that's because they're they're going to write off these homes as big losers, right? I mean, look at the three months ended over here on Sept 30th. Uh, you know, they spent $1.4 million on, on $1.2 million of homes, right? So this is going to be very bad because this revenue number is going to get cut even lower because they're going to be giving these homes away in liquidation values. Uh, you know, again, third, yeah, 80 cents, 70 cents on the dollar or whatever. By the way, little little finesse um, I came up with many, many years ago when I was in the, the real estate marketing business for my clients was uh, they would have me like do community tours with my drone and stuff. And those get a ton mm. of views on YouTube. And then I would advertise their phone number, their face, everything like that on the videos. And so people looking at communities and then like would get, con- you know, folks would contact them. Even if 1% of the people that, that watch that video contact them. That's a huge success. Like, oh, you're like the person in blah, blah, blah community. Huh? You know a lot about that. And it's like, you know, it's just. Why did you stop doing that, Jeremy? I know you were into it for a while. Well, uh, YouTube. I started making a lot of the money, man. I got the, <laughs> I got the, the YouTube famous, man. I got the so much of YouTube money. I got that grilled cheese, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the 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 flying my drone around for two to three hundred dollars uh, for <laughs> three hours wasn't quite cutting the mustard anymore. So, and then editing those videos, oh my gosh. But anywho, Can yeah, in any industry, there's always an outside the box idea. I think anybody that 
is watching this that's an entrepreneur or business person, I know Graham and I got into something on one of the podcasts I was on one time on some ideas or, or some things he implemented back in the day that were outside the box when he was coming up in his industry. And it's just like, man, there's so many ways you can, you can, uh, you know, think outside the box and do things differently. And if you're doing things the same exact way, everybody else well, is doing them, you're probably doing it wrong and you're probably destined for very average results or bad results. So, yeah. Well, I remember I was looking at homes like I want to say like 10 years ago, and I feel like the pictures were so bad. Have you guys like seen listings oh, where they show yes. literally a corner of a room and you're like, what am I supposed to get out of this picture? Or it still happens today. I know. And I'm like, how? So I thought, I thought, man, I should use my like cinematography skills to like do a crazy production of a video. And I had that idea for I want to say like three, four years. I never did it because I, I wasn't into real estate, so I didn't know anything about it. And then this guy comes along in the Vegas real estate market and he does it for luxury, like crazy luxury, like multi-million dollar houses. And he corners the entire market just based off of that, like high production value. And people are just like, I want, I want to see this house. So they would always reach out to him. So it's exactly what you said. Like, just think differently and show it differently. But I feel like there's so many opportunities still, even in that industry to just do better. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's the question guys. What are we doing with Sheba? Anything on the sheep? <laughs> Who's a sheep millionaire here? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I, 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 thought, yeah. I definitely have at least a million sheep. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> the one we really got to talk about right now is Floki. So, Andre, I had a talk today with the uh, the Dogecoin millionaire. Yeah. And he's also a Floki Enu millionaire too. He nice. bought over a hundred million Flokies. That was like a dollar. <laughs> 30 grand 30 grand 30 grand for 30,000 bucks oh. for 100 million flokies every but, time uh, like come out to vegas he's like i can't afford it and the next day it's like bought the dip 30 grand <laughs> like, uh, doing it. but uh, he said that he wanted to uh to buy in about a hundred thousand dollars of floki inu and then ride that at 10x and just reading through the comments i'm surprised how many people believe that like dogecoin did it Shiba Inu did it, and therefore, Floki Inu is the next to make that happen. And you know what? They're probably right until they're not. And then it's like that game of, what is it, musical chairs? Or it's just like eventually the party is going to stop. So I made the argument to him, and I said, well, you know what? Floki Inu is is, uh, it's a spinoff of a bit of a spinoff of a spinoff. And with Dogecoin, no one went in expecting it to moon. I mean, it just just happened. It happened at the right attention. It was listed in the right places. It was perfect. Shiba was nobody expected that. I mean, I I remember when it came out back then, and I had talked about this originally back then, and I was like, this is a spinoff of it, and just you know, in passing. But now I believe there's that expectation with Floki that it's going to follow the momentum of the previous two, and because of that, I, I'm worried that it's almost priced in that everyone has gone into this thing, moving it up because they feel like it's going to move up. Right. Yeah, so, I totally agree with that. It's it's like how yeah. how much I guess how far can we go? It's like uh, <laughs> it's like you said, it's a joke of a joke of a joke of a joke, and it's like how deep are we gonna go? And you yeah, know what? people might be right, and and it that's, might ten x. And that's the you thing. Never know. That's I agree with that. And the one thing with cryptocurrency that that's blown me away, it's really humbled me, is that like when you think something's gonna happen, you're probably wrong. Yeah. And uh, every single time, I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, it's probably not nothing's gonna happen. Shh, just skyrockets every time. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is a home run. 
boom, just falls. So yep. I, I've just taken the backseat approach where it's like, you know what, whatever's going to happen, happen. If I want to risk it, I'll risk it. But yeah, I've been wrong so many times that I'm, I can never label something bad ever again. Yeah. Same. I've stopped making videos cautioning people against investing in anything. I'm just like, nope, no, I'm going to be wrong. Yep. And then it's going to go to the moon. People are going to call me an idiot for like, have, like missing their moonshot. Yeah. But <laughs> so the one thing I will say about cryptocurrency that, uh, that is hard to quantify is the community. And uh, when I really started, because I wanted to, to really research Floki Inu and get into the, like the Discord groups and the community, th the community is so strong. It reminds me very much like like AMC and with GameStop and even Tesla. It's just like there's this community around it that is like impenetrable. And even if the price drops 90 percent, these people don't care. They're just going to hold. So I think the, there's the amount of people that are desperate to shoot their shot for a YOLO and make millions is a bottomless pit. It doesn't end there. You will always find somebody who is willing to put in their money into the riskiest investment and they'll form a community and a group around doing so. It's, it's not going to end. It'll just yeah. change. And, yeah. and the only thing I could ever caution people to do is, is don't put your long-term funds, your long-term investment strategy into short-term plays. That's how you lose money. And, yep. and that, and that when I see that like fervent, like support of like, oh, you're just an idiot. You don't understand. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Just get just in and get out. That's fine. All but in on squid token. That's what you say. <laughs> our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Squid Token. Now that's something that we should talk about. Kevin, so believe it or not, I wanted to do a video on Squid Token. And uh my reasoning for not doing it is because your video was so in-depth that I knew I couldn't get as good of a video as you did without oh. copying you. And so I didn't Thanks, do it. Man. Your video, I was blown away uh, at how, how much research, how many hours did you put in that video to research everything? Because it's your video on Squid Token before it crashed, by the way. I think it was the day before was like, it was a 26 minute video. That's yeah. a video that would, that would have taken me about two days to research and put together. Yeah, it was probably a couple people working, uh, me and one other person for like four hours together. Wow. So, yeah. so like okay. eight hours. Yep. That's crazy. So so this is news to me. I didn't know you had someone else uh now helping you with uh with some of the research. I was like, how did you yeah, do this? It's we, we, we work together uh now. We've got um two folks and uh, we we kind of just brainstorm ideas together and it really helps because there's there's so much to research and I really like digging into stuff, but I 
I can only dig into stuff, you know, so much of the day. You know, I've been like, if I'm here, I'm not researching something. You know, people are like, oh, Kevin, make a Rivian IPO video. When am I supposed to do that if I don't have help? So, wow, around. is this help in person or is this remote? In person, and you yeah. guys, yeah, yeah, in yeah. no, in person. No, Gabe, Gabe, Mikey, folks, they're awesome. Yeah, Gabe's awesome. That's you, yeah, you I need, like them both. You need to hire some people, Graham. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's that that research part is, is so integral. And uh, let's say someone else does all the research and they they put it in front of me. I have to understand it so thoroughly to be able to put it in my own words that yep. I end up researching the whole thing myself anyway. So I I feel like you know I, I tried this with Jack a long time ago about the uh, the index fund bubble, and he spent like eight hours putting together all the data on the index fund bubble, and the data is fine. But for me to really understand it, I was like, well, gee, now I'm going to spend eight hours on myself researching this video. And not to mention, not to mention if you get it wrong and people are like, you idiot, you got this thing wrong. You can't be like, well, I didn't do that. It wasn't me. <laughs> it's this guy here. He said it. <laughs> so you kind of oh, have to take gosh. the responsibility. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I came across this uh, YouTube channel this weekend uh, called Jake Tran. And, uh, my gosh, you just came across him, Jeremy. Yeah, what I, I hardly get to watch YouTube. Oh uh, my so. gosh, Jake yeah. Tran has been pumping out content for years. He was one of the very first people that, uh, that I, th I think he got my YouTube creator Bought academy. Plug it. Yes, yeah, I yep. saw the and testimony he, in that video. Yeah, and that's when he was like at a thousand subscribers or something like this. He was the, the one person who uh made a, he made a video on I think it was on me. And it was so detailed, and he just took a different path and knocked it out. But he's been doing content for a while. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, based upon the videos I saw, I watched probably three or four of them this weekend. I think he's yeah, got to have good. like some some people helping him out because I was like, geez, it's a he lot. So believe, it, so believe it or not, I uh, went to Jake and I wanted to basically buy him out and have him work full time for me. And oh, wow. I couldn't afford. I couldn't afford him. I kid you not. I wanted to make him an offer and just be like, just come work for me full time. And uh, he's doing so well on his own that it's like, well, you know, I, I, first of all, I'm not going to be able to pay what, what he's doing right now. And uh, he's doing so well. Can you on share his own. that number or is that secret? I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, he, listen, he told me, he told me the number and I'm not going to repeat it, but uh, he's just, he's doing, he's doing, exceptional work and i think that that should be recognized good talk so yeah, yeah so Jeremy, but but yeah I, hit, with his level of research it would be impossible i mean he would have to be doing this 18 hours a day for seven days to be able to post his quality mm -hmm. and uh at, at, at his consistency yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think he's got to have helpers. That's why I thought of that. You know, like yeah. if you're doing that level of detail type videos, you know, about a random industry that you know nothing about, you need help for that. It's just impossible to to do it otherwise. Um, yeah. So because the, the time it takes to make something like that and like plot the video out and then put it all together, it's whew. but yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, so you guys are all in the float, huh? Yeah, all in. 
you, you own millions of coins. Jeremy, when are you going to buy crypto? We, it's about time the audience wants to see us argue about cryptocurrency. Jeremy. <laughs> it's been it's been like two weeks since we've argued about this. No, no, we argue about it every week, including last week, Graham. <laughs> and I am ninety eight point five percent of my crypto portfolios in VGX. 98.5%. You fooled me hard, man. When you posted that Instagram photo of you wearing Bitcoin, I was like, oh, my man, he got in. Yes. <laughs> the one that got banned? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, The one that got taken off Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Do, the one Jerry? that got taken off Instagram. Tell what us about do? the censorship. Yeah. So, anywho, I, I posted that photo and I posted some jokes underneath it. And then um, it got removed because um, it supposedly wasn't nice enough. And uh, they said, we, we need everybody to be respectful to the community. I didn't cuss at all in it. I didn't even think it was that edgy. You said so. nothing wrong in that. Like, it was normal. Yeah, so, I think just... Well, it, I think and, some people got offended and reported it. And, um, you know, it is what it is. That's all Jeremy's like, that. immutability and decentralization? Nah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I remember there being something in your post where it was like, I'm, I'm, all you fight, you know, fiat people out there um, with your, your paper dollars, something like that. And I bet some people just got upset and were like, yeah, 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 I'm going to report. I don't know. Yeah. Stupid. <sighs> so still none. Okay. Yeah. But anywho, you're, you know, you're like, a, no, so. you're like a Snapple bottle. Just like open the cap that, try again. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got so, a crypto thesis I want to run by y'all, but I got a, yep. I got a first quick, quick tangent. I got to ask Graham, when, when do I get to post my Jack video? Now I'm like anxious. Oh, we filmed it uh, soon. Probably in the next like oh. week. Let me, let me figure it out. I, I bet Deal. if we can get our video out this week, we'll do it. Cool. So um, theory, all blockchain technology becomes like a utility, like uh, like power or, or, or water for a home. It is just a utility of the financial system. And the best blockchain technologies, the, the best utilities function uh, at some form of uh, a nominal price, high speed, high efficacy, high security, uh, but at a nominal price to where it makes sense to have uh, decentralized uh, verification. Uh, but it is so cheap that it really makes no sense for anybody to like mine at home. It just becomes kind of like, oh yeah, there's SoCal Edison, you know, there's SoCal blockchain, and uh, and, and really the need for uh, all, all these different uh, crypto projects uh, and their their individual tokens, those might lose a substantial amount of value. That the blockchain technology might survive, but the tokens themselves as, as a store of value might not last. You see right now, people invest in like the token ADA on the Cardano blockchain. Well, Cardano could go on and become a monopoly. It could be the best blockchain, but that doesn't mean the token survives. And then potentially we just have a uh, store of value crypto flow into BTC and the rest is just uh, monopolized blockchain. That was my theory that I talked about last week or two weeks ago when I said that most cryptos are going to not exist. And that's not what I meant to say at all. That people are like, oh, Andre's just a maximalist. And that's not what I believe because there was, there's this project in 2017 that was like everyone loved. It was a uh, ticker symbol OMG, Omisego. 
I think that's mm -hmm. how you pronounce it, which was supposed to power Ethereum's blockchain. It was supposed to be like the nitrous fuel to make Ethereum work. And that project, even Vitalik Buterin, by the way, the creator of Ethereum was like rumored to be on, on the board of advisors. And that project just fell apart. Uh, the team disbanded, people stopped believing in the project and it just, it's not around anymore really. But it is still around and it has a $2 billion market cap on wow. something that's completely useless. So I don't think cryptos really <laughs> go to zero. Uh, so there's always going to be somebody who believes in it. But I tend to agree with Kevin that uh, when all is said and done, most most of that value will be central or centralized under like some of the big ones like Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatever else is going to be around. Um, and there will be like various other ones and variations, but they'll be a lot smaller than they might be today. Um, All right. I, I got I got two things. One is I just want to give a random shout out to everybody that's in the member chat because we, I don't think we ever get to tell you guys thank you. So thank you for being members. We appreciate it in a massive, massive way. And uh, thanks for everybody that always smashed the thumbs up for our videos. Secondly, Kevin, what you're saying there, you, you don't think... Uh, like Bitcoin will be affected by this. You don't think Ethereum will be affected by it. You do think potentially Cardano is affected by it, or are you just you just kind of giving out a a, a, a theory. Um, just want to hear a little more clarity around that. Uh, well, the theory would would imply that everything's affected, potentially with the exception of Bitcoin, uh, because Ethereum is really the, the the theory is being a utility being the, the fastest to transact in the future with the lowest fees in the future again. Uh, and, um, you know, with, with smart contracts and all that other stuff. But again, if, if that kind of blockchain technology becomes monopolized, the fees become so little, so low, that it only makes sense for a few institutional players to actually be verifiers because the profits are so, so, so thin that you have to do, uh, you know, whatever many transactions worth and only corporations are doing it. Uh, and, and it becomes so, so much like a monopoly or, or the plumbing of your house, like the plumbing of our city, we have a blockchain, that uh, it, it really doesn't become valuable anymore beyond being a utility. And, and so now you're investing in a utility, right? Because I, I think the utility of blockchain is great. But then the weird thing is you have to separate uh, the Ethereum blockchain technology from Ether, the, the token that, that operates on this, right? And so I think oftentimes we conflate the two as one, but the blockchain technology is really separate from the token that's sitting on it. The token's really worthless. It's just you're investing in the system uh, or the belief in that blockchain is really what you're doing, right? Uh, and the success of that future blockchain, but they're separate. I think some systems are inseparable, though. Um, like, I, I mean, systems... I know Ethereum is, but what, uh, or like Cardano, right? Uh, I, I'm yeah. sure there are like millions kind of, of inseparable systems. as far as financial like incentives go. Without those financial incentives, they, they, they wouldn't really function. So they kind of have to have the currency underpinning it. Because you're being paid in that currency. Yeah, you, you have to incentivize the economy to keep going. Well, yeah, and, and I believe that will always be the case. Like, that's what I mean is, let's say they said, hey, the Ethereum network, is the fastest, best blockchain that exists. Transactions are virtually instantaneous. Uh, Ethereum, you know, you buy an NFT, the gas fees are a penny. Okay, you buy a ten thousand dollar NFT, and the gas fees are a penny. You and I aren't going to mine for a penny, but maybe a fund like like a Citadel of the world. I hate to bring them up, but just as an example, some institution like that that does, you know, 
hundreds of billions of dollars tr of, of these transactions. Well, now those pennies add up to to an actual revenue that matters, right? Uh, so it, it, I, I believe in the future, fees will become so low that it doesn't make sense uh, for anybody but very few large organizations to to operate you know these these verifications uh, or, or companies that could do massive amounts of these because the goal is for the fees to go down right I don't think anybody in the ethereum network wants the fees to stay high other than miners like the, all the use cases say hey how can we figure out how to get fees down right so yeah. well if everybody wants fees to go down then the best case scenario is zero fees but that doesn't work because you have to have an incentive so the next best case scenario would be like a penny. Yeah, and so, that's, so I'll yeah. say two things. Uh, I, I, that's one of my biggest, I guess, criticisms, and I'm not like an expert on XRP, so I'm not going to like speak and upset the community. But that's one of my, I guess, fears about uh, XRP and, and uh, you know, Ripple's uh, currency is that they essentially have created an amazing blockchain that that works, but it doesn't need that token. It doesn't need the actual currency. It, it works without it. Everything you're just saying. And so, you know, that, that was one of my fears. I was like, well, why, why do I need to invest in the coin? Like the technology yeah. is here. The company could go public. They could make billions of dollars and that coin could just fall to the wayside. It doesn't even matter anymore. So right. I, I, I agree that there is potential in the blockchain space for that to happen. Um, in Bitcoin's case, for example, I think it was actually designed to have high fees uh, as the more people joined the network. It was actually you need high fees for it to function, because at some point when the block rewards get cut in half so many times, you get virtually no block reward at all. And so there has to be another incentive, like you said, otherwise, why would you spend thousands of dollars in energy costs to mine something that pays you nothing? So how do you subsidize those costs? And on Bitcoin, it was designed for fees to, to be extraordinarily high, which is what will in the future incentivize miners to stay on the system still. So as more people join and as they transact more, it, it becomes like a system of, it still is like bidding, right? Who can bid the most to be included in the block? And if there's a ton of people doing that, the fees are going to be really high. And that's what Bitcoin needs to, to stay alive in the future. That only works if the price of Bitcoin keeps going up, essentially. Correct. Correct. Which is why I, I, I don't know the exact date. And I'm not, I, I'm not going to say it because I know the community is going to like destroy me if I say it. But I, I, it may be 2025. I don't remember what year specifically. But it's at that point where it's like, okay, Bitcoin is either do or die. The value is either high enough for it to, to support it or not. Or then it just becomes... Like kind of no yeah, incentive for miners it, to continue. I see. I think I, I see what you're saying. What, what really what you're saying is, at some point, you're going to spend ten dollars of electricity to right. mine five dollars of Bitcoin, and so you're going to turn off your mining machines, and you're right. only going to turn them on again when the value of Bitcoin exceeds your cost of production. So Correct. eleven dollars, let's say. Uh, and then, of course, overhead, whatever, right? So it, it, it is feasible then that if for some reason people stop trusting in, in Bitcoin as a store of value and the price falls at some point below the cost of production, the reward costs or, or the rewards are less than the cost of production, then, then all of a sudden you, you actually get a less secure network over time because people are bailing. Right. I don't think that's going to happen with Bitcoin. So far, it hasn't happened and I don't think it right. will. But yes, that is. But right. I, I guess the theory then is that uh, transaction difficulty would adjust, right? Uh, hash rates would adjust, and so so that should adjust for less miners on the network, like what we saw with China. But Correct. the uh, you know at at some point, 
you probably do cross this uh, this threshold where it's like, but wait a minute, even for the leftover miner, uh, you know, we've had so many happenings, we're still not getting paid enough to keep the machines going. So I don't, I, and then at what point does it become unsecure, right? To where there's only like one or two left. <laughs> Right. So, so a lot of that system depends on, on, on functioning correctly based on the fees and the value of Bitcoin. So interesting. Uh, what, yeah. One of our one of our mega members who's been a member for eight months says to Kevin, that's why a deflationary token with trillions of supply could do cheap transaction and keep the price slowly growing. What do you think about that, Kevin? So I agree that that's why Bitcoin is deflationary. Uh, I I don't know how to respond to the tr millions in transactions part because Bitcoin right now at least just isn't fast enough. It isn't desirable enough. It's not it's not the most ideal transaction uh, or blockchain for transactions. So we have a little bit of a problem there. But uh, you do have this the deflationary aspect, which is interesting. So basically, you have the deflation that's occurring which should push the value of the currency up, uh, Bitcoin. And so where it becomes a risk is if, for example, we go into a uh, fiat deflationary environment where all of a sudden people are less interested in storing their wealth in Bitcoin and potentially you accelerate the price of Bitcoin falling uh, while the costs are going up, right? And so you'd almost have to have this like, this exodus of, of people leaving Bitcoin for that to happen, which may never happen. Yeah. yeah. One of our members, by the way, they say they pay um, about $150 in electricity for $1,000 of Ethereum. He says uh, plenty of room before turning off. So, Right. Yeah, but it's, it's not that simple. It's not just your electricity. It's depreciation on your graphic cards. You know, for one GeForce, you're paying 1500 bucks right now. And that 1500 chip... In, in a year when NVIDIA or AMD or whatever come out with the marginally better chip, uh, you know, could, could kick you out of, of functionality uh, or profitability. So it, there's much more that goes into it. It's, it's, uh, I'm happy the person's profitable right now. That's great. But um, profits in crypto don't last forever. <laughs> we know that they, they well, wane over time. Andre, do you know any people that are like serious miners here in Vegas? I do. I know a guy that has a whole warehouse or like several warehouses. I've, I've been to it. It's like stacked to the ceiling, like several rows of, I forget, like S13 or S15, whatever they are, miners. And uh, he's like the most secretive guy I've ever met. Like, I'll ask him a question about it and he just doesn't want to answer anything. He just doesn't want to share any info. He's very protective. So I've seen it, though. It's crazy. Do you even know what he's mining? Yeah, he's mining Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's and that's about all you know, though. That's all about. I yeah. I'm like, how many Bitcoins do you have? What is yeah. what is the machine? What is it? Where's like, it Andre, where's it located? Do you have? Can you say the address? I know where it's located. I don't want to say where. It is. <laughs> 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 Everybody shows up at his place. It is crazy though. Like I, I've noticed that in the crypto community, at least even on social media, we don't talk about mining a lot. Like th that's such a like an unknown space for a lot of people that unless you're a miner, like there's not much info about it. Is that yeah. how it works? Andre, and you nailed this last week. You said that most people act like they know more about crypto than they actually do. It's kind right. of a, an invest first 
researched later or justified later, uh, right. you know, or, or attracts that style of investor. Uh, and so I think there's your answer that why, why we don't hear about mining a lot, because I think a fraction of people understand hash rates or what the hell is going on with all, all the stuff, the mechanics of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I'm not professing that I know everything. I bluntly say on my channel all the time, I'm a crypto novice, but I'm going into this with uh, level two competency, which is uh, I am consciously incompetent, right? You start with unconscious incompetence, and that's like the most dangerous where people don't even know that they're right. clueless. Like, well, I well, know I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same with you. I, I've been in since 2014, and I'm still very clearly in my videos. I'm like, I'm a beginner. Don't listen to me here. But here's like what my perspective is, considering how long I've been in. I don't claim to be an expert. But a lot of that has to do with the complexity of the subject, yeah. because it is so complicated. There's a lot of what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Is that what is it? Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, that's right. So it's like the the more uh, the less you know about something the more confident you are that you think that you do that's the dunning kruger effect it's it's a, ah. it's a very known thing look, like look it up right now pull it on the screen oh yeah we'll do that it. and and the uh and the more you know about something particular the the, the less you realize you actually understand about it hypothetical so, yeah. cognitive bias stating that people with a low ability at a task estimate overestimate oh. their own ability and that people with high ability at a task underestimate their own ability. That's right. a good one. That makes sense. If that makes sense. Because it is so complicated, people just, it's, it's like you said, invest first and then just gain the confidence to justify your position. And the more you realize how much you don't know because of how complex it is, you're like, oh, now I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. I'm still learning. So, and crypto is just filled with that because of how complex it is. Yeah. yeah. Good talk. So, <laughs> and Kevin, you sold, I heard, a lot of call options in Tesla and a lot of other stuff. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I sold a lot of stuff. Uh, so, uh, by the way, I started a big position in Voyager. Uh, I've got like 500 grand left in it right now. Uh, I started with more. But I decided I did not want to be in margin. I was looking at my portfolio. I'm like, why Why am I $4 million in margin? Wait a minute, Kevin. Wait a minute. You have a love-hate relationship with margin. That we have come to the conclusion of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So what, what happened was, uh, it, and you all know this, I it, like at the end of September, first week of October, I was buying like crazy because uh, I, I, I went in with like $5.5 million of cash sitting around. I blew all of it. Well, I was supposed to save that money for taxes, but I blew all of it buying stocks. And then I had to pay taxes. So the only money I had left was debt. Okay. So, so I write the check for my margin account. Now I'm like, damn, now I got all these stocks, but I'm also $4 million in debt. And I'm like, I don't want to be in debt. So uh, over the last couple weeks, uh, I have taken my uh, Tesla calls positions uh, from like a... $2 million position down to like a $200,000 position. Uh, I've trimmed my crypto about a third. I trimmed a little bit of a firm and phase. Uh, I mean, these are companies I love uh, and I wouldn't sell them. I wouldn't sell these things if it weren't for margin, but I sold a lot. Uh, and um, yeah. Yeah. Margin margin's bad for you. <laughs> 
Yeah. But I'm at zero now. So yeah. that's good. Oh, so you did get down to zero. Okay. I did. But Kevin, yeah, how much yeah. of that was because these were trading at all-time highs? Because I can't oh, imagine cool. that you would you, you would do the same thing if we were 30% lower. Kevin, oh, no. we, we're yeah. one no. Evergrande yeah. away. What, what, was, what was trading at an all-time high other than Tesla? That's what I would love to and know. Phase. And phase, Etsy, Affirm, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, Tesla, uh, you know, some of the cryptocurrencies. I mean, Ethereum just hit another all-time high, right? You know, somebody, this was a funny, I, I tweeted this. I mean, I thought it was funny, but, you know, and I'm patting myself on the back. So I sold SoFi. SoFi was at all-time highs. Yeah. Uh, and somebody tweeted me this, or not tweeted, they left a YouTube comment, and then I tweeted it. <clears throat> so they wrote, he kept Robinhood and sold SoFi. <laughs> wow. And so I write, let's translate that. One of, of one of the many trades he made, he sold a stock at all-time highs and kept a stock at record lows. Feels different. It's <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You're like, I did good. <laughs> but to be fair, Kevin, that's not exactly right. how that's the good. stock market works, right? I mean, no, I, I feel like Kevin turned it right. I yeah, feel like so I don't know. So if I bounces, so if I bounces, it's going to hit like 24 and then it's going to go back down to 15. It'll stay there and it'll go back. I don't know. It's it's just bounced I, for so I think all time. it takes is one news from, uh, from Evergrande coming back or like, we didn't know this about Evergrande. And there we go. And yep. then we just take a huge dip. So I think you timed it right. And Do you, you know think what? that affects I'm crypto, though, Andre? Uh, Does that affect crypto? Oh, yeah. It's the first to be affected by <laughs> everything. You know, I was actually uh, thinking about buying an NFT with my Ethereum because I still hmm. have like 500 grand of Ethereum left or whatever. Don't. And uh, I was thinking about buying an NFT. But the reason I didn't buy an NFT and the reason I probably will not buy an NFT minus the one NFT I have from Solana. Shout out to Solana. Uh, I love that thing. Uh, but anyway, minus that, uh, the reason I won't spend a big amount of money on an NFT is because if there's a market crash, the f the real first thing that's going to go is liquidity in NFTs. And then I'm really going to be effed because I want to use that money to go shopping for other stuff like discounted stocks, you know? Well, not, not only that, but Ethereum, like all of some of the wealthiest people I know that have like millions of dollars in NFTs, they've gotten out of them and they're into Ethereum right now. They're just waiting for that pump. Really? And then when that happens, they all go directly into the NFTs. So they they just go back and forth. They're like, all right, now that my Ethereum's so valuable, I could buy me that Board Ape Yacht Club thing and I could just buy a CryptoPunk and it's way cheaper. It's ah. it's a really interesting strategy. That's how they're playing it. Um, Smart. I actually bought, I actually bought, I want to say like, uh, like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars worth of NFTs in like the last month. Um, like I bought a secret rare Spider-Man, <laughs> like the the first of its kind from Marvel of all brands, like which I love. So I mean I don't know if if an NFT of a pet rock could sell for over a million dollars, I feel like I feel like I have a shot at my Spider-Man. <laughs> Every time I hear this, I'm like, then yeah, we've reached the peak, guys. Good <laughs> yep. Good yeah, run. you would think that we were already here, and yet, like, we still keep going. I don't know, man. What's next? I don't know. Uh, when you look at the dot-com bubble, I mean, that lasted four years. It was yeah. from, like, 1996 through 2000, where things were just going nuts. 
Yeah. And so we could have another few years of this before things go. But here's the thing, too. We could uh, we could go up another 200% and then crash back down to where we are today. So, right. I mean, you just never know. Well, when that crash happens, it's all the other altcoins that are going to crash the hardest. And that's, yeah. that's why I'm afraid for the people that hold Shiba and Floki and all the other ones that are going to get demolished. And then they're going to make the same mistake all of us make. I, I, I fear it. the day we wake up and the stock market's in, you know, turmoil. Like who you guys remember 2020, we're looking and it's like, holy crap, every stock is down like 18%, right? That comes again. And we look at coin market cap and it's just down the list, down 80% down the list. You know what I mean? Like I fear right. that day. No, that'll happen, happen so fast. That'll happen. And but I think the difference is is the time between that moment and another exponential growth curve is right. is shortened, right? Because now we have all this smart money that now know the Pandora's box is open. It's like buy the dip. Now we have countries buying the dip, pension funds buying the dip, hedge funds like everyone. So yeah. I think the time between um, cycles is shortening. People are cheap with Halloween candy this year. I think a recession's on the horizon, well, gentlemen. Except for Kevin, your video is fantastic, by the way. That's great. The, the makeup was impeccable. It was so Thanks, good. <laughs> Thanks, great. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, That's Janet Yellen especially. That was. That I was legit cool. thought that was a woman. Like, it's it's not. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, Graham. What? That the Janet Yellen. That that's not. A woman, that's his stepdad. Kevin, really? It's my father-in-law. No. It's my father-in-law. <laughs> his stepdad. Father-in-law. Are you serious? No way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Fooled me. Such, that such was good. good. Such good, man. You guys aren't messing with me. Right? You're no. Serious. Wow. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Jeremy, you got your plaid back? The what? The I've plaid. had my plaid back. We talked about it last oh, it's week. Fixed. All right. Dang, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Man, got the plaid back, back, and we're still waiting for Kevin to buy a new Tesla with all this no. money he's made from Tesla oh, stock. Which so reminds long. me, quick question for you guys. So, Section One Seven Nine. Um, I uh, Graham mentioned it like a couple months back about buying the Model X to fit the six thousand pound weight limit for the tax deduction. So I thought about it and I was like, well, there's no way that I'm going to drive that car for business the entire year. And then I saw someone mention that you can actually, the optimal situation is to buy it in December to drive it only for business use for that like one month or one week or whatever you have it. And that way you can tax deduct 100% of it because technically you used it for business 100% of the year just because yeah. you had it for like one week of, of the year. Is speak that, with that your, check out? Speak with your tax professional. I'm not but sure. I'm not sure. It, yes. I mean, I'm, okay. I, I almost guarantee people are doing that or have done right. that. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. It was okay. I looked into it and I just, there's the Model X has a refresh and the new one doesn't ship until like September or October next year. So I don't want to buy a used Model X that has the old interface because all of them are like over a hundred grand. And I just, the new ones are also like about the same price. So it doesn't make sense. So maybe next year. Yeah. You, you let Kevin off the hook there, Andre. I'm taking it back to you, Kevin. You made all this money from Tesla stock and you're not going to buy a new Tesla to support the company. Come on. Yeah, he's going to get a Rivian. That's what he's going to do. No. Nah. 
No, 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 no. I, I hate cars. They're a horrible investment. They're a waste of money. Do not buy cars. Buy the stock instead. I disagree. The Ford GT, uh, the last good sale close to mine was like 385 now. So I'm just saying cars are a great investment. There was another one that was on uh, Bring a Trailer earlier today. And I, my bid was, was going to be pretty high. It was a Toyota 2000 GT. And it was one of the very few in the U.S. and very few with uh, left-hand drive. And this car, man, this car I think is going to be worth one, two. And uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, it ended up selling for 850, which I still felt was a bargain. But some I, of these think, cars, yeah, it's such a good deal. I think Kevin should get a Nemera or Nevera, what is it called? The Rimac or Rimac? The fastest electric car in the world. It's insane. Oh, that, that $3 million thing? Yeah. Yeah. You see those in like Dubai. See, Kevin, yeah. you don't support your companies. That's the issue with you. I eat Tattooed Chef. Lunch, breakfast, dinner, snacks. If people He's come over kidding. the house, I feed it to them. He's not kidding. I was at Jeremy's house playing poker night, and he opens his fridge, and yeah, there's just like stacked, chef. stacked of Tattooed Chef. I'm like, what's that's, wrong that's with you kevin. kevin you need to learn to support your companies i think that's what kevin looks like every time we talk about ttcf that's just that's that's not even a picture that's just him <laughs> and then you go buy a lucid you're gonna buy a lucid kevin after you made all this money off tesla i was very convinced i was going to buy a lucid but now they're dragging me through the dirt i'm like 99 sure now in fact you know what I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna cancel. Damn. Bad PR. Wow. Lucid shareholders not gonna be happy with you. So now you made Tesla shareholders mad and Lucid because you won't buy a new Tesla with all that money you made. And now you're gonna. Not my job. Lucid. Come yeah, on, Kevin. Just a new X, man. It's so oh. nice. I bought a go kart. <laughs> Is it an electric go-kart or does it pollute the air, Kevin? Uh, it is electric. It is amazing. I take uh, Jack and Max on it for rides. Uh, it cool. is really, really fun. And uh, we want to buy another house in the neighborhood for family or, or uh, you know, the team or whatever. And then just uh, go-kart between that house <laughs> and my house. So I don't even need a car. That's cool. That's fun. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. We got anything else to chat about, or are we ready for Graham to take us home? I think we're good. Kevin's background scares me. I feel like I'm about to be audited. (laughs) Especially after your comments around buying a car. Right now, you got to be listen. You got to be careful what you say. The IRS is always watching you. (laughs) It's true. Remember that. You. Yeah, I'm looking at you right now. They're watching you. They know. All right. So with that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe, hit the like button. We also got the clips channel down below in the description. Make sure to subscribe to that. Thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time. Peace. (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.